budgeting is number one, right? So mm-hmm. it's it, when I think about getting your money together, it, it's really two prong. It's like playing defense and playing offense. Mm-hmm. It's understanding where your money's going, giving every George Washington a job, like just yeah. making sure your money's not unemployed. Like once you get that taken care of, that is like a game changer in itself. Mm-hmm. Once you understand like where your money is going, then it's like, okay, how can I make more of this so I can, you know, quote unquote, you know, kind of widen the gap in a way. Yeah. So decrease your overall expenses because you know where your money is going, increase your overall mm-hmm. income. And then as you wind that gap, then you need to go and invest that money for either for you or for your family. Hey, this is Allison and welcome to the Inspire Budget Podcast where we talk all things budgeting, debt, and saving money. Today we have Mark Russell joining us and he is a foster child turned financial educator. He comes from a low income family and he put himself through college and paid off $80,000 in debt after graduating. Mark spent much of his career at two of the largest financial institutions in the world, where he consulted thousands of households on how to manage their money the right way. Now he's the owner and founder of Better Wallet, and he teaches people all around the world how to make money work for them. He has a mission to help people build generational wealth as he builds his own. Let's welcome Mark onto the show. Welcome, Mark, to the Inspire Budget podcast. I'm so happy that you're here today. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to interviewing you because I think you have a very inspirational story. And I know that you're on this mission to build generational wealth for you and help others do the same. But I would love for you to share why that mission is so important to you. Thank you for having me on. I've been looking forward to it ever since uh, you sent me the email asking me to to come (laughs) on. I'm like, yes, (laughs) I'm definitely looking forward to, to being on. So yeah, I mean, I grew up in the foster care system, you know, both mm-hmm. my parents, they weren't able to take care of me for a lot of different reasons. So kind of going through foster care 13 years of my life, you know, you kind of look at the rest of the world differently, mm-hmm. right? Like I didn't really have a family to say, okay, well, my grandfather does this. That means that I need to do this as well. So I didn't really have that foundation. Both my, so I ended up becoming you know, adopted by a family at the age of 13. Both of them, you know, they work blue collar jobs, you know, we would constantly be on a budget, right? Like we didn't have the money to really do anything. Mm-hmm. So my entire life, I've, I've just always been a dreamer. I've always just wanted more for myself. I wanted to venture the world and help other people and maybe not have to go and find out how I'm going to have my next meal. Like, you know, yeah. things like that. Like I inspired to do and like go off to college, work for a corporation, maybe even have a business one day. So I've always inspired to do that. So that's really where a lot of it stemmed from and just my motivation, inspiration. On top of that, both my parents, you know, my dad grew up in Alabama and very segregated South in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. And he never really had the opportunity to go off to college or anything of that nature because his dad ended up passing away in the military, even though my dad mm-hmm. had very, he was great in academics and everything. He had scholarships, but he just couldn't go. Um, yeah. So he had to go into the Navy. And his dream for me, as his only son was, Hey, like, I wanted you, I want you to go off to college. I want Mm -hmm. you to make something of yourself because I wasn't necessarily able to. So all of that kind of coupled together is why I've been so motivated and forward thinking in my entire life. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm wondering though, you know, you were in the foster care system since you were 13. Did you have that motivation and were you able to dream before you were adopted by your parents? Because I feel like I can't imagine that it must have been difficult mm-hmm. 
to envision what your life could be like. So how did you, how did you think past where you were even at a young age or, or did you? I, I really didn't. I mean, I, I'm okay. I thank you for the like, honesty. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I have horrible uh, short-term memory. So like you know, in my head, I was like, well, I don't really, and the thing about it, like, you don't know any better. Right. So mm-hmm. like for 13 years of my life, I just assumed every kid went through the same mm-hmm. process. And then as you're kind of going throughout life, you're just like, okay, well, that's interesting. I didn't know that existed or people have actual families or you can go off to college mm-hmm. or you can you know, venture the world. So as you kind of learn about that, you become more and more intrigued. And then you realize that you could do it yourself. So yeah, 13 years of my life, it was more of like just trying to understand the world around me. And it didn't help that the family that adopted me was actually a pretty small town. So, you know, I didn't really know anyone outside of that town. You know, I mm-hmm. graduated with a class of like a hundred kids. Wow. So I didn't know anything about the world. And this is before the internet. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, luckily my parents, though they didn't have a college education, they really pressed education. My mom used to make me read like the encyclopedia. Is that like, do people even know what that is anymore? I but, know, like, right? They, we had, it, was, we had a set. Yeah. A yeah. Set. Like I had the, the entire like uh, set of books that was passed down from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. My grandfather passed it to my mom. And my mom loved Oprah Winfrey. And she will always say that Oprah like would read, her dad would force her to read the encyclopedia and they Mm -hmm. would go through like each word or each phrase or whatever. And they would just talk about it together. And that was how she was able to expand her her education and just understand the world around her. Mm -hmm. And I would do that, right? So like I would go on there and just like read different things like, Oh, a Komodo dragon. Like, I didn't know what that is. Like, that's not in my town. That's no. fascinating. Like, yeah. it looks like a reptile or like a dinosaur. Like, where are they from? You find out like mm-hmm. what island they're from. And then you're just like, oh, well, like I could probably travel there. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just little things like that, that really just spark your intrigue. And then you mm-hmm. just want to know more and more and more. And it didn't stop. And it continues to be the same way where if there's a topic that I don't know about, I'm just like, okay, let me do some research. And then I nerd out for an hour trying to figure out like how it all works and like how things are interconnected and how I can maybe reach that. So kind of connecting that to just money and like generational wealth. Like Mm -hmm. as a kid, I would study like people like the Mars family, the Mars family being like multi-billionaires. They were able to pass wealth down from generation to generation. And what did the Mars family do? They created candy bars. Like, <laughs> they literally created chocolate and candy bars. Next thing you know, they have this giant organization, and then they were able to pass that down to their mm-hmm. families through like dynasty trust and things like that. So I'm like, okay, like how do you build like, a dynasty trust, right? Like all that stuff is just yeah. like really fascinating to me. Uh, my mom used to call me uh, an information junkie because I always just wanted to know why, like why yeah. is it, why was it created? How do they go about doing it? She's like. Stop asking all these questions. Oh, I, I was just thinking like, oh my gosh, that's my worst nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> like- I'm literally, I was that kid. I was a terror of a child because like all my teachers, um, I would ask them questions mm-hmm. like- Challenge. Why, yeah, yeah, like why do we need to know calculus? Why is it important? How does this really apply in the real life? Mm-hmm. And then they would sit me down and tell me what it meant because yeah. I wanted to conceptualize all of that. Mm-hmm. So I did well in academics, of course, because I wanted to know beyond like yeah. what they were teaching me just because, and that had 
really helped to propel me from college into the corporate world into business. So you graduate from high school, you're adopted into this family, you go off to college. So you fulfill mm-hmm. your adopted parents dream and vision for your life. Right. Yep. And you decide, okay, I want to build generational wealth, but what does that mean to you? I mean, coming, yeah. coming from your life and your perspective, Mark's version of generational wealth, like take a moment to dream. I just want to hear your dreams a little bit. Yeah. What does that mean to you and just coming from your past? Yeah. So when I think about generational wealth, I think sometimes a lot of people think generational wealth is just investing. Mm-hmm. I think it's so much more than that, right? So like I think about it in five different ways and I, I wrote these out so I didn't screw them up. Yay. Um, <laughs> like so you came number, prepared. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> you I, have I, to know. Yep. <laughs> So like, number one, it's all about learning about money. Like you Mm -hmm. need to know how money works, how it can work for you. And then also how it can like not work in your favor. So Mm -hmm. number one is, is learning about money. Wait, wait, okay. Hold on. I'm gonna stop right there. So learning about money, but that's like you learning about it, Mm -hmm. making sure your future children learn about it. And then do you even include that? Like going back and talking to your parents about that? That should be a part of it. (laughs) Should be. So I, I have. So as I think about my family, mm-hmm. I have the adopted side of the family, and then I have my biological side, mm-hmm. side of the family. My biological side of the family, they're really open to that mm. conversation. You know, I can talk to my mom and my dad about that, and they're, they're dope. I mean, my, my biological dad worked in real estate for a long time. He was a teacher. He, mm-hmm. he was like me, where he, he had like five different side hustles. Like he's retired now. He drives Uber. Like he still does the real estate on the yeah. side. Like he also has his wife. And you know, kids and everything. So he's like bouncing a lot mm-hmm. just because. So it's an easier conversation. Mm-hmm. But then my my adoptive mom isn't really into it. It's, yeah. it's a hard conversation to have with her because she kind of lived a life of not really having mm-hmm. much at all. So when you so there's this deduct- mindset, right? It's a whole Roadblock. scarcity mindset mm-hmm. that we're working through. Unfortunately, my dad's not here anymore. He passed in 09. But mm. luckily, two of my parents are open to having that conversation. So yeah. um, I would definitely say it's one of the, the factors as you kind of think about generational wealth, because they have to likely go and teach our siblings or whatever it might mm-hmm. be, or like, in addition to me, like I have to teach yeah. them. And then also my parents have to pe- uh, teach that information. So yeah, so number one is learning about money, definitely teaching your parents as well. Mm-hmm. Number two is learning how to manage your money correctly. So like mm-hmm. investing and budgeting and all this stuff that I love, you and that. I love <laughs> right? Paying off debt and things like that. Number three is building assets. Like mm-hmm. I think people forget about that. You want to build assets and even more importantly, build assets that will help to pay you into the future. So what, what are you wanting to build assets? Like, like to you in yeah. your vision and your future, what does that look like for you? I'm just curious. Yeah, for me, it's, I'm working on this financial literacy company. It's mm-hmm. going well so far. <laughs> I want to keep that going, but mm-hmm. also to think through like other opportunities that are out there, spotting the challenges that people are having and mm-hmm. providing a solution. That's really what a business is. Yeah. And now that I'm what, seven months into better wallet, I'm already at a point, well, seven months into doing better wallet full, full time, full time. Mm-hmm. right. I'm already thinking about like different business opportunities to solve mm-hmm. challenges that may exist. Yeah. Right. Like I'm already thinking about like, eventually I'm going to live down in Atlanta. Well, eventually in a couple of weeks, I'll be moving down to Atlanta and I'm already spotting opportunities. Like there's, there's like no really good gym in Atlanta. 
like really? downtown Atlanta. Oh. Right. Like they have an LA fitness, but like people don't really like LA fitness anymore. Yeah. Otherwise there's no like big Mecca of a gym. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why don't I just put a gym down in midtown Atlanta? Yeah. Like, there's a bunch of people just like me that would love to do that. Mm-hmm. So then next thing you know, you're building that out. Right. So like I'm, I'm constantly thinking through mm-hmm. like opportunities that might exist. So something that might not be directly related to what mm-hmm. their wallet truly is. So, you know, building assets and then building assets that are paying you that will eventually pay your kids. I love that. Speaking about kids, number four, number four is all about, and I don't have kids yet, but I can't wait to have them. Um, because you I'm can gonna, borrow you, mine for a weekend. <laughs> if you want, you can teach them, them about money. I'm going to set them down and just talk to them <laughs> about like Roth IRAs. Like, listen, like, you're old enough to start working. You can work in Ellison, <laughs> put money, $150 into your Roth IRA. You'll be a millionaire by this date. They're going to be like, who is this crazy? They're going to be like, and then you're going to be like, call, the, call me Uncle Mark. <laughs> just call me Uncle Mark. I got you. So number four, teaching your kids about money. So mm-hmm. important because there, there's a stat that we used to talk about all the time in the financial advising world where most of the wealthy people out there, they end up losing their wealth within the first generation. And if they didn't lose it within the first generation, or I should say the second generation, uh, they're likely going to lose it in the third generation. And the reason why is because their kids don't know how mm-hmm. to manage that money. They don't know how to manage a business. Maybe yep. they didn't ta- they didn't pass the money to them tax efficiently. So like they lose 30 to 40% to mm-hmm. just taxes, right? So it's really important to not only build and educate yourself, you also have to educate your kids and know how they manage that money as well. Yes. And I, I want to touch on this because I think so many people think, well, if I just have the money and I can pass it on to them, then I've done my part, mm. right? That that's enough. And that's really only half of the part because you're right. You have to teach them how to manage it because no one else is going to, unless right. they seek it out to learn on their own, no one else is going to. And so the way I see it is I have these kids like captive for 18 years. <laughs> you have to listen to me for 18 years. So what am I going to teach you in this time period, it, whether, whether indirectly and direct, I mean, both indirectly and directly through your actions and then through actually conversations. But I think right. that's something that is, can be feel overwhelming, especially as people are learning how to do it on their own. So I would say you had said, what was number two? It was managing your money. Mm -hmm. I would say, make sure that as you're learning to manage your money, you pass on some of that to your kids. You let them see you manage your money. Right. Exactly. And Mm -hmm. that could be you teaching them how you're managing money or like giving them an allowance. Like Mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough to have an allowance growing up of like 10 to 20 bucks. My parents worked me to death for that, for for that 10 (laughs) to 20 bucks, but like I had it and I Mm -hmm. learned how to save it. Mm-hmm. a lot of it came with like me putting underneath the mattress or like putting it in the bank right. and they were helping to build those habits because they knew that when they were growing up, they didn't have that. So they wanted mm-hmm. to make sure it wasn't taboo for me. My parents did something similar. We got an allowance and I remember we had these big crown piggy banks, like a big tall crown. And yeah. I want to say that my mom said, okay, whatever you save, we're going to go put it in your little savings account, your child savings account at this bank. And whatever you save, I'm going to match it. And I remember being like, I'm going to spend all my money. And I spent like (laughs) all my money and my brother saved everything. And I will never forget going to the bank and being like, what? Like, that's how much money you have. Like, where did mine go? The ice cream man, like, like, (laughs) like the, like what? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like food, candy, 
that led to cavities. But yeah. I think that that's a really cool way also to teach your kids. Cause that was a very eye-opening experience for me. Right. Yeah. I was in that story. I was the annoying brother and my sisters oh. will always look at me like, why do you have all this money? Yep. I'm like, I don't know. I don't spend it on anything. Like, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I had a sweet tooth. Like I would go off and mm-hmm. like buy like the gummy worms and gummy bears and things. Jawbreakers. Like right. Remember, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Where I was talking to Chloe about it not too long ago on, on her podcast, uh, the like the fireball gel breakers. Yes. Like, I used to have those. That was actually my one of my first side hustles. I used to uh, go to the corner store and, and buy like a bunch <gasps> of those and then take them to the, the elementary school, then sell them for like a hundred percent upsell. Yes. hundred um, percent. Uh, what do they call it? Like uh profit. Well, markup, uh, markup, markup, markup. There we go. Um, I should know that term, but like hundred <laughs> percent markup. And then my, my friends found out later and then, um, I lost them as, as clients. You, <laughs> oh my gosh. You know what my brother did? Cause he's like you, he, we had Napster and he would sell CDs. He would let you pick yep. five songs and he would download them. You know, we could never could call on the phone, never talk on the phone. He would spend hours downloading songs and he would even create a design and he would buy, he bought the little stickers that you put on top of the CDs and he would sell them. And that was my, that was my Christmas gift one year. I was so excited. He, he downloaded like three songs that I liked to a CD and I was like, what? This is amazing. So, Hey, I love it. Today's episode is brought to you by my free debt-free roadmap. If you have debt and you're trying to become debt-free, you know that it's sometimes a little bit overwhelming to figure out how to reach your end goal. And sometimes paying off debt is not as simple as it seems, which is why you need a roadmap fast. In this free debt-free roadmap, you're going to get the seven easy steps to follow that will set you up for actual success on your debt-free journey. And I'll be sharing with you the three most common mistakes holding people back from paying off debt so that you can avoid them every single month. Plus, you'll get free resources sent straight to your inbox every single week. Go to inspirebudget.com slash debt-free to get instant access or click the link in my show notes right now. Okay. So we have talking about your kids, mm-hmm. talking right, to your what's, kids what's about money, talking about money. And then the last one is passing that wealth down tax efficiently. Mm-hmm. So we, we kind of covered it already, but the importance of not only teaching them and generating it and like, make sure they're managing it properly, but also make sure that when you pass it on to them, mm-hmm. you do it without, you know, having to pay uncle Samuel a bunch of money. So how do you recommend people figure that out or learn about how to do that? Cause that seems like a very broad thing. Yeah. yeah so number one, reach out to your, your neighborhood mm-hmm. CPA or yeah. uh, CFP, or more importantly, uh, like an estate planner. They can walk you through all of that, especially if you have a good amount of wealth to pass on, a good amount of investments, or even if you have a business, because they can walk you through those different mm-hmm. strategies. Good. One in particular would be like, if you do have a business, there are ways like gifting strategies where you can pass on that wealth over time, let it be five, 10 years to make sure that they have full control of that business before you to, you were to pass away or whatever mm-hmm. might you know, happen. Or if you're not planning on passing away. Um, if you're just trying to pass that money and wealth and business, different businesses to them, mm-hmm. um, and you just want to get out of the, get out, the, out of the business in general, yeah. then you can do that mm-hmm. through different gift, gifting strategies and limiting, um, overall taxes that you will pay. Yeah. 
I love it. So you've been on this journey. You've been working on this a while. You obviously are very passionate about it. What have you done? What steps have you taken so far in your life to start building that generational wealth for not just your current family, but for your future family? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, number one, my parents drilled into me. Education was Mm -hmm. key. Like my dad used to tell me like education and networking is like the, the biggest equalizer out there because, you know, we didn't, of course, come from anything. So he's like, go off to college. Like, I don't know what it feels like to graduate from college. Just do it. I don't know how much it's going (laughs) to cost. Just go. So eventually graduated from school in in four years and studied business and economics. Mm -hmm. And then I told myself, Hey, like I want to join a firm that teaches about investing. So I applied to a bunch of different firms. I just so happened to get into Vanguard and it was crazy because I didn't know anything about what Vanguard did. And I was just like, oh, like it's um it's just some random company that sells Wow, you work for yeah. Vanguard? Yeah, yeah, I for didn't six know years. That. Yeah. That's why that's I'm so uh cool there. That's why I'm a so 529 neat. nerd. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I was in the 529 department the five- as a okay. manager. Yeah. So cool. that was my first job out of school. So graduated from Penn State, went directly there, which is in Philly. Mm-hmm. And I got into their rotational program, like a kind of like a management development program yeah and they only choose like maybe 20 people out of the country so it was wow. like really really interesting and I didn't know at the time I was just like I got a job like I don't care yeah like, you were like score right I got a job at this at this company called Vanguard I wonder what they do You're right and I remember <laughs> telling my mom I was just like hey mom like I'm working for this company called Vanguard in Philly and she's like Vanguard and I was like yeah like they sell like securities and she's like securities like ADT and I'm like no like <laughs> investments and she's like okay like so you're gonna be like on wall street i'm like kind of and she's like okay like whatever so like i didn't know how big of a deal it was that's amazing so luckily i came in became a stockbroker eventually a financial advisor i worked in the 5.9 department and the company helped you take these steps wow so they like for what is it like continuing education did they like they set you all up for that that's amazing they took care of all that yeah i love that they invest in their employees look at that they they do so vanguard kudos to vanguard like they're all about total compensation right so Mm -hmm. like they it for better or for worse so they will take care of you from a benefit standpoint Mm -hmm. let it be salary and like making sure that your 401k is taken care of they had a very generous 401k Roth 401k program they were helping to pay off student loans. Wow. I didn't qualify because I was a little bit older when they rolled That's it out. Okay. That's okay. But they currently have it now. Um, but yeah, they, they had a lot of different, um, different benefits. They didn't pay that well in salary, but in terms of just everything you get, like if you're a parent, for example, mm-hmm. it was like a no brainer. Like people yeah. stayed there their entire careers. Yeah. So yeah, they definitely invested into their people. It's re- it was really hard to leave. Uh, Vanguard after six mm-hmm. years, but so I became fully vested. I said, Hey, like it's time for me to, to make the jump. I wanted to mm-hmm. look into active management and learn about that. Mm-hmm. But luckily I was there during a time where Vanguard was growing. I think when I came in, they had like maybe 1 trillion under management, which is wow. not anything to you know to sneeze at, but like it has grown to, mm-hmm. I don't even know where they're at now, but when I left, they're at like three or four trillion. Wow. Um, so just going through all that, the growing pains, mm-hmm. just like organizational management, all that stuff you learn. And I mm-hmm. learned at a very young age and it helped me to, you know, go and build a better wallet because everything that I learned during that time, including like I was there when Jack Bogle was there. Wow. Um, so I remember standing in line in the cafeteria and Jack Bogle was right behind me. What? And I'm like, 
I'm like, dude, like you can go in front of me. Like you like created all this. And he's like, don't <laughs> worry. I'm not important. And I would never wow. forget that. I would never forget. I was like, this guy, Jack Bogle, multimillionaire, maybe even billionaire. Yeah. Is sitting right, standing right behind me. He told me that he wasn't important. Yeah. And I was the most important, one of the most important employees wow. at, at Vanguard. Like that is phenomenal. Mm. And he was really big on like servant leadership and, and mm. things like that. And like giving back to the people who work with you and, and for mm. you. So a lot of the principles I, I apply to Barra Wallet today. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That is so cool. Yeah. I don't even remember what question I asked you, but I'm just like, what? Yeah. So, I mean, eventually I went off and I was in 529 department and I was a manager Mm -hmm. there. So that's why I care so much about Mm -hmm. education and like education funding and saving up and working with parents to to do all that. So, but eventually, you know, kind of made that jump into active management. So I work for a private equity firm and then I work in fintech for a little bit. And then I said, Hey, like, I know a lot of things. Um, maybe I can go and, you know, teach this online to mm-hmm. people who really need it. Cause mm-hmm. during my time, unfortunately I was working with a lot of people that had a lot of money and mm-hmm. they didn't really have the challenges that I saw in my hometown mm-hmm. where people would be happy to make a thousand dollars passively. Right. right. So I was like, why don't I teach people that? And that's really where better wallet came from. It took, I took all my experience, my personal experiences of you know, paying off debt and investing and building a business. And then everything I learned from being in Wall Street or just mm-hmm. in a financial firm, multiple financial firms, put that all together. And now I teach that on a daily basis, which is a dream of mine. That's amazing. So let's say that someone's listening right now and they're like, okay, you're obviously, you're the, you're one of the go-to people in this space to really just learn how people can change their their family tree and build generational wealth. So let's say someone's listening right now and they're like, okay, I want to get started. Like I have this dream for my family. I have this dream for my life and it feels somewhat unattainable. I just want to know what are the first couple of steps I need to take to just get on the right path. What would you say to them? Budgeting. is <laughs> number one. I love budgeting. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I see your reels. They're all fantastic. <laughs> So budgeting is number one, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it, when I think about getting your money together, it, it's really two-pronged. It's like playing defense and playing offense. Mm-hmm. It's understanding where your money's going, giving every George Washington a job, like just yeah. making sure your money's not unemployed. Like once you get that taken care of, that is like a game changer in itself. Mm-hmm. Once you understand like where your money is going, then it's like, okay, how can I make more of this? So I can, you know, quote unquote, you know, kind of widen the gap in a way. Yeah. So decrease your overall expenses. Can you know where your money is going? Increase your overall mm-hmm. income. And then as you wind that gap, then you need to go and invest that money mm-hmm. for either for you or for your family. Yeah. But those three steps would be like the steps that I would take if you're just like, hey, like I'm sick of it. If you're that one person in family that said like, I, I've had enough, like mm-hmm. I want to end this. You have to know where your money is going. You have to, you know, eventually find ways to accumulate more money, whether it be increasing your salary or over uh, increasing your overall income, then finding ways to invest. Mm-hmm. And I would say the investing part tends to be the hardest part because a lot of us, we weren't taught that growing no. up. And, you know, for me, even as a licensed financial advisor and stockbroker, like you would think that would be very comfortable investing, but I had to start off small too. 
mm-hmm. where I was just like, okay, well, I'm going to dabble into this one ETF that I hear a lot about and we'll see how yeah. it goes. And hopefully I don't <laughs> lose all my money. And you put money in and you find out that it's fine. You know, you see the volatility, mm-hmm. but over the long term, you, you see appreciation. You're just like, okay, well, if I keep doing this, what happens? And then over time, you see that mm-hmm. compound interest. And that's a complete game changer. When you see yeah. that, you become addicted. Yes. And then you're just like, you start second guessing all the decisions that you make, like with your money, you're just like, wait, I could go and buy these shoes, but I can also apply it to my investments and buy this ETF. Yeah. And if it grows, then I can buy three, four pairs of shoes. Right. So it's, it's really a game changer, but it really starts with the basics of just knowing where your money's going. I completely agree. I could, I could not have said it better. It's so true. <laughs> it's like knowing your habits, knowing, like for me, it's about knowing your habits. That way you can identify your helpful habits and your harmful habits and figure out how to create boundaries for those harmful habits. Right. Exactly. And like budgeting, it it doesn't even have to, your money doesn't have to go to just investing. Like if you're paying off debt, like if you choose to pay off debt before you invest, that's fine. Like I don't, Mm -hmm. I personally don't care. Just make sure you have a plan because you have some people (laughs) who are just like, what should I do first? I'm like, I don't care. Like, I'm just happy that you know your money's going, like do whatever makes you Mm -hmm. happy. Just make sure you have a plan. Yeah. If you put more money towards debt, then you're not going to have enough money to invest. If you put more Mm -hmm. money, if you pour more money into investing, you're not going to have that much to put towards debt, but Mm -hmm. just make sure you have a plan. But when I was paying off my debt, I had $80,000 of debt from credit cards to student loans to my car, Mm -hmm. $80,000. I needed to know where my money was going in order for me to then go and pay off that $80,000. So budgeting is very, very important. And that's how you can go about streamlining all of that. I love it. So where can we learn more about you and how you help people? Yeah, absolutely. So where most people see Better Wallet is on Instagram. Uh, So at Better Wallet, also Twitter, Better Wallet, and then TikTok, Better Wallet. Um, (laughs) So you can find me on social media. You can also find me at uh, thebetterwallet.com. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll always feel free to email me as well. The barrel wallet at gmail.com. Awesome. I answer all my emails and all my DMS. <laughs> wow. That's good. Yeah. That's it's awesome. uh, not easy. I'm, no. I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah. I have but to have I'm, some help. I, yeah. need to, I, I need help to do all that. So it, I'm impressed. Absolutely. I'm, I uh, have a VA now, but she's not currently working on like my mm-hmm. emails and all that stuff. Cause that's what I love stuff. to do. Like I love yeah. just connecting with people and mm-hmm. everything else. Like I'll, you know, let her do. Yeah. Um, I'm even at a point where I'm just like, can she just do my reels and all that stuff? Like, I'm like, <laughs> I just want to, I want to talk to the people. Like I don't want to create, I just want to talk to people and like help solve their issues. But yeah, I mean, overall, the entrepreneurial journey and just the money journey in general mm-hmm. has been a lot of fun. And it's great to come on the platforms like this just to you know talk about it and uh, talk to my story. So yeah. thank, you. thank you for coming on. At the end of every interview, I love to ask our guests three questions just to get to know you a little bit better. So mm. don't think too much about these, just answer them. The first one is what's one thing on your bucket list that you want to do? So this is going to sound weird, but I'm going to bring it up anyhow. Let's do so it. One goal that I have for myself, it has nothing to do with me and has everything to do with the impact that will make. Okay. I one day want to get into Forbes. I like, I really, really want to get into Forbes. And the reason why is because Mm. I've been in the you know business insider and 
time and all that stuff. Like all that, like I'm very, very grateful for it. So don't take it the wrong way. The kids where I'm from, they don't, they don't know anything about that. Like mm-hmm. they don't know what business insider time yeah. is. They don't, they don't care for that. But if I can show them that a kid that comes from the same projects that they came from was mm-hmm. able to get into Forbes for helping people manage their money the right way, helping them to invest, really just changing the world, mm-hmm. that will show them even beyond like what I've been able to do so far, it will show them that anything mm-hmm. is possible. That they can do it. That they can do it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of what I do is not only for my late father and like for my family, it's also for those, you know, I call them my, my like the snotty nose kids from the projects, like mm-hmm. how I was growing up. I do a lot of it for them. Cause when yeah. I go back home, I'm the kid that made it out. Yeah. Um, and I want to give them every single reason to go mm-hmm. off and be whatever they wanted to be. Have you ever considered like speaking at the high school there or mm-hmm. the middle school? I mean, elementary oh, yeah. is great as well, but like, I really think, I think you should put together some sort of presentation and just say, Hey, I'm coming to do this at the middle school or in the high school and share your story and then give them like, here's what you need to do now mm-hmm. to set yourself up. I think you yeah. should do that. Over the last couple years, I've had the opportunity to do that, to go and like small, uh, talk to smaller groups. Mm-hmm. But that is one thing that is in the works right now where I want to go and I want to just, I want the auditorium and I want all the teachers yes. out. I just want to talk to the kids. Let me just all the sit down with them. Yeah, get And just let the teachers stay and like <laughs> make sure that no one's like throwing anything right. or anything like that. Right. But And I just want to like walk around and just like talk to them and like present them. I think the teacher should be there because then they can, when you leave, help reinforce Mm. what you're teaching. And then it also might open up their minds because, you know, sometimes people get stuck in their ways of thinking and you don't, you don't know what the teachers are thinking about these kids and what their possibilities are. So you Mm -hmm. could actually be motivating those teachers as well to say like, oh my gosh, he came from this school or he came from this town and look at what he's created. Like it, it might allow them to see their students in a new light. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Because yeah. I mean, I think about my teachers now, like I, Mrs. Mike, for example, like, I remember my teachers from from high school, because a lot of them pushed me to want to go off and, and do this mm-hmm. college thing, which I didn't yeah. know anything about. I and mean, when I go back, I'm always just like, you don't understand how mm-hmm. much you've changed my life. But you're totally right. Like having the teachers there mm-hmm. to help them reinforce, help them to just understand the perspective of like, maybe the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be helpful. I love teachers just in, in general. Yeah. We don't, the, the education system doesn't pay them enough, but no. um, more of me saying that was like, yeah. so I can have that candid conversation mm-hmm. with some of those kids yeah. that might feel like they can't make it out. Um, but yeah. maybe it's a great opportunity for them being the teachers to learn a little bit more as well. Yeah. Because not all teachers are like Miss Mike it. Yeah. Not all teachers are like it. Shout out to Miss Mike. We know you're listening. (laughs) Okay. The second question is what's one money mistake that you've made that you would tell everybody to avoid? Don't mismanage credit cards. Um, So in college, I remember not having any money. Like Mm -hmm. every college kid. Yeah. um, I I came on the campus with like $20. My (laughs) my dad gave it to me. I was like really happy about it. And next thing you know, you had people sending you messages and like sending you mail saying like, open up this credit card. Mm-hmm. You've been pre-approved. And I'm like, what little me? Like, they must think I'm special. So <laughs> they you must go, think I'm special. 
I'm just like, this is great. And then you learn about capitalism later in life. But like mm-hmm. as a kid, you're just like, this is great. So Chase yeah, I, knows me. Yeah, me. You know my name. Oh my God, this is great. So I, you know, I found myself opening up credit cards. And luckily I didn't open up more or you know, I wasn't approved for more because I probably would have, you know, had you know twenty, thirty thousand mm-hmm. dollars credit credit card debt. Because there's definitely times that were just very trying where I was just like, I can just swipe the card and take care of it. So I, unfortunately, during my four years in in college, I mismanaged credit cards and not only just to pay for food and things I actually needed, it was me just being in college, being an Mm -hmm. idiot and just saying, you want shots? No problem. I got it. (laughs) Shots for everyone. (laughs) Chase loves me. I'm just going to swipe my card and, and take care of it. And I found myself mismanaging credit mm-hmm. cards and I paid for it. You know, when mm-hmm. I graduated from school, I had $10,000 of credit card debt wow. and it was hard to break away from credit cards in general because mm-hmm. I always used it as a crutch. Mm-hmm. Anytime that I didn't have enough money, I was going to put all the, you know, I was going to put on the credit card. And before I learned how to budget my money the right way, I didn't really account for whatever I put on the credit card. I'm just like, that's free money. It's totally fine. But as I kind of weaned myself off the credit card, I found myself relying on my budget more and more Mm -hmm. and more and saying, okay, well, if I can't afford it, then I can't do it. Or just saying like, I need to prioritize where my money is going. I can't go Mm -hmm. out to restaurants all the time and buy the brand new shoes. I should probably apply that money to things that I actually need or like paying off debt and things like that. So don't mismanage credit cards, know how they can work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also know just the capitalist, capitalistic system that a credit card truly is mm-hmm. because they tell you, Hey, like you can get points and you get all these rewards. Yeah. And that all sounds great. If you know how to manage. Yes. If you have the not. discipline. Right. If you don't have the discipline, they're going mm-hmm. to make off with a profit. And credit cards are extremely wealthy, just companies mm-hmm. in general, for a reason. It's not because people are all managing the money the right way. Yeah. They are all taking bets, saying, Hey, like, I know you're going to screw this up and I'm going to have yep. you pay interest. Yeah. So, I think that it's really good to have a healthy fear of credit cards. Yes. Like my mom told me when I went off to college, do not get a credit card. It was, it was just fear. I was like, okay, I won't like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and I'm so glad. Like she didn't really tell me why, or at least I wasn't listening if she did. And I had to, I had a healthy fear of them, yeah. which kept me out of like falling into that credit card trap. But like my husband didn't have a healthy fear of them and it took him getting into these types of situations. Mm-hmm. So it, like, it's almost like you have to respect, you have to have a healthy fear of it and, and you need to develop the self-discipline yep, with it. Exactly. So I couldn't yeah. agree more. Yeah. Okay. And the last one, which is my favorite, I just want you to finish this sentence. My favorite thing I've ever spent money on is traveling, traveling, traveling the world. So growing up, we didn't have the opportunity to really leave the country, let alone leave the state or the yeah. town. So when I took my first trip at 25 to another country, which happened to be Toronto, Toronto being the city. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, it was just, we're going to work on some geography after this. A bit. Um, I'm actually decent at geography, but I screwed up on that one. Yeah. I mean, like it just opened my eyes to just going to a different mm-hmm. country, seeing, you know, a lot of different cultures. And then right afterwards I said, Hey, like I'm going to go to Nicaragua out of all places. Wow. And that really changed my whole mindset mm-hmm. on life. Cause you realize, you know, as Americans, like we're, we're very 
privileged and very mm-hmm. spoiled. Like yeah, we, I was going to say spoiled, yeah. Yeah, we have a, a great economy. Like there's a lot of things that we have that a lot of countries do not have. And going mm-hmm. to Nicaragua, which is, you know, one of the poorest, you know, from a GDP standpoint, one of the poorest countries in in the world, and well, at least in Central America, like mm-hmm. you just just build like a different perspective Mm -hmm. the people there were the nicest most generous people i think i've ever met in my life Mm -hmm. and you know even when we got off the flight like they were you know helpful and like they didn't want much and i will never forget like driving down to san juan del sur and seeing all of the houses that were just like tin houses mm-hmm. like they didn't really have much you just see the kids out front play out front of the house like playing around with like chickens mm-hmm. and they were just so happy and you can see the mothers and fathers just there just happy and like enjoying life and i'm just like they literally have nothing but mm-hmm. they yet are the, the happiest people that i think i've ever met and then you like i live in philly like philly new york area you see people just walk around just everyone's upset i'm like what are you upset about <laughs> so i spent two weeks in nicaragua and mm-hmm. like coming back was just like a cultural a, mm-hmm. a culture shift for me because i just was there and that's what i got um that's what i kind of adapted to mm-hmm. uh, for those two weeks and then to come back and see that i was like man like life really isn't that serious like yeah. You know, you can relax and just mm-hmm. enjoy every single day. Um, that has really helped me and, and helped change my perspective on this thing that we call life. Wow. I think we should just end it there. That was beautiful. <laughs> that was, that was amazing. I couldn't, I, I, I think that it's so important for us to have these types of experiences. And I don't think that you have to always leave the country to have them either. Yeah. I agree. So I, you know, and it makes me want to make sure that my kids are are having different experiences and seeing life through different lenses and through different people's shoes just for perspective. Cause that's right. what it sounds like you you've gained a lot of in your life. So absolutely. Well, thank you, Mark, for joining us. I will link to every, your website, your social media, everything in the show notes bef- um, below. And I hope that other people go follow you and connect with you because I think you're doing amazing things. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Bye. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Mark, and I hope that it has inspired you to think about what generational wealth looks like for your own family and how it's not just leaving money to your kids or your grandchildren. Be sure to go follow him on Instagram and check out his website. And ultimately, I hope that this episode inspired you to live your best life and reach your money goals. I'll see you next week.